Have you ever wanted to find a super hot wife or girlfriend or even a hookup buddy who's down to let you sleep with other women? Of course you have, let's be honest. Or maybe you're dating a few different women casually and you want to be more open and honest about your desires, but you're not sure how to broach the topic because you're worried you might offend her or scare her off, which would really suck. Or maybe you just want to challenge the standard narrative that every girl from a good family is only interested in monogamy and all the other women who are fun are narcissists and toxic or hypergamous sirens to be avoided. Well, you'll want to tune into this episode because I have the fabulous Simi here who fits that description to a T. She's that unicorn that every guy wants. And if you stick around to the end, I'm going to try to extract enough juicy info from her to uh, teach you guys exactly how you can find your own unicorn or a stable of unicorns of Simi. So <laughs> you're listening to the Inner Confidence Podcast, formerly called the Leverage Podcast. We help you unleash the most attractive, charismatic, and confident you in order to attract quality connections, both personal and romantic. My name is Robbie Kramer. I've been a coach since 2007, and I've helped over 1,300 people level up their dating and social skills. My mission is simple, to help you crush the dating game, build an epic social life, and attract your ideal partner. I've known Simi since you were like, what, five? Nine. Nine? Nine. Okay. Um, best friends with my sister, Julie. I remember you getting in trouble in middle school for, uh, not middle school, it was like elementary school. I was yeah. in middle school at the time. Um, we should tell that story at some we point. Should. Oh, God. Simi told some girl to go 69 uh, when... <laughs> You were how old? You were I was 10 and Niffy had just taught me what 69 was. And then somebody, uh, yeah. And then somebody, I forget what they were saying to me, but I was like, why don't you just go fucking 69 with Daniel? <laughs> Immediately she told the teacher and I got in trouble. But the best part about that was you and, and my younger sister didn't get in nearly as much trouble as my older sister well she's older than julie but younger than me and i lived for niffy to get in trouble that was like i didn't know that the greatest thing ever oh yeah i would always team up against julie to to bully niffy i was a terrible older brother i was such a bully but she taught you guys what 69 meant because it was written all over my bar mitzvah you know, sided board it was your it was the bar mitzvah <laughs> board that got us and i immediately told because niffy went to pegasus at the same time right so I immediately just told the teachers that Niffy taught me and Niffy didn't forgive me until I think I was 21. Yeah, she, she fucking hated me. Yeah, she, she held a grudge. The girl could hold a grudge. <laughs> um, but we lived. Now we're really close. So. I just think that's the best story ever. So go 69 with Danny, said the 10 year old. <laughs> So anyway, I haven't really changed, by the way, like I just made friendship bracelets with my friends and I and I chose live to fart. I love it. And the other one I made was live to come. And I gave that to Julie. <laughs> my favorite thing about your uh, when you live with Julie, I think you still probably have this Internet password. It was a queefing wizards. Was oh, it yeah. the network name? Yes. So I, I got the domain. Um, yeah, queefingwizards.com. I mean, there's no treasure to find. I haven't done anything with it, but I'm just, I have the podcast or the, um, I have the podcast name. I was thinking about starting a podcast, I guess. I have the you website should. and I have Queefing the Instagram. I, hey, if yeah. you start that, I want to be a guest. I, I can't queef, first guest. but I've, you know, I feel like I'm fairly knowledgeable on the subject and, and the sound of queefing. I never thought about that. You can't queef. I can't, but I can fart pretty good. 
Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of funny shit like that, your shirt is pretty funny here. We should just. Yeah, I wore the titty shirt. For Milk your, for humans. All you perverts out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a, an episode that will speak to perverts, I think, because. Nice. What is interesting about Simi is, like I said, you know, she comes from an amazing family. Your parents are still married. You're like a well-adjusted, really cool, down-to-earth, not narcissistic, very self-introspective. We can talk about some of your ayahuasca journeys and that stuff as well if we have time. Um, and you're also very open. You're you're very like upfront about sexuality stuff. Um, and it's going to be cool because I want to ask you all about like what what you would do on your yeah. first dates. Um, <laughs> so Simi was, I guess, self-proclaimed a sure thing on a first date. Like you would basically bang the guy yeah. on the first date almost every time if he was cool. I think it was every time. Even if he wasn't cool? Yeah. <laughs> really? Like once I got through the you're hot enough and not a serial killer, it uh, everything else was sort of, yeah, not a problem. And this was like online dating circa 2014, 15? Um, yeah, I would say I, yeah, it was like Tinder and shit from like 2010 to, I mean, I, I had an open relation, an open marriage for a while. So, I mean. Well, even before that though, um, cause I remember, you know, around that time, like 2000, yeah, like I feel like Tinder got popular, like 2012, 2011, it came out, you were living with Julie and mm -hmm. you know, you're going on, on lots of dates and meeting guys on Tinder, going to the, what is it, the horny goat or the surly goat? I forget. It was down the street from us and we would plan our dates on the same night and then like walk to it together, have our dates at separate tables, not tell the dates. And then we'd walk back to our apartment <laughs> like fucking weirdos. And um, one time I, I actually went up to her because my date was over. I went up to her and I pretended to recognize her as a dancer from Jumbo. <laughs> um, that's a strip club in L.A. And, uh, and then I was like, just kidding. I'm her best friend. Nice <laughs> to meet. It was the guy was so freaked out. But so, yeah. So how did you know, looking back, like, how do you feel about those choices you made when you were single? Like, how did you approach your dating life back then? And, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on it now? My belief is that human beings are animals. Um, and we have instincts like animals. I just don't know that I think monogamy is very natural. Um, Though I don't judge it, of course. I understand there are structures in place and and it works for a lot of people and a lot goes into non-monogamy if you really want to succeed at that. For most of my life, non-monogamy being having a role in my relationship was as important to me as the person themselves. Mm. Um, it felt to me so counter to everything about myself to tell somebody else that they get to decide what the fuck I do with my body. And I don't like the idea of having the impulse to be sexual or have a relationship, a sexual re relationship with somebody and being told no by some third party. That to me always didn't sit right. Mm -hmm. So when it came to dating, I don't know. There, there is. It's not like I approached this with just a wholly uh, healthy outlook in my younger years. 
I would say I had a bit more of like a masculine approach or a traditionally masculine approach to things yeah. that like. Well, I mean, if you think about just the, the standard narrative, you know, gender roles when it comes to dating, like dudes are trying to get laid on the first date every time. Yeah, same. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Um, so that was, so like when you had a first date, the goal was sex? Yeah. Okay. I also really, really like people. The older I get, the more I realize that's kind of uncommon. I like every single person I meet. I you, think we have that in common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We do. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's not something everyone shares, I'm realizing. Yeah, I, uh, I've been realizing that too <laughs> as I get older. Um, I just naturally see the good in everything. Me too. Like my my brain automatically sorts for like what's good. You know, like I could see, I, I especially do this with women. Like I'll see a girl, you know, whatever. We're going to rate her on a scale of, you know, one to 10. She's like a 5.5, right? Let's say she has a great ass and <laughs> her face is gross. And, you know, like I won't see, I'll just see the ass. I'll just mm -hmm. see the, that, that's yeah. it, right? And I'll be like, ooh, okay. That ass though. Right. Yeah. But then, <laughs> that ass. But then the second I start dating her, then, then I notice everything else. And then I'm like, uh-oh, get me there, out of here. There you go. So. Yeah. It's like get my the ick. exactly. I get do, the ick. Do you get that. the ick around month nine? I get the ick like, uh, yeah. I feel like month nine. I got some ick. I got to kind of like I got to get the hell out of here a lot around month nine, eight to nine. Eight most to nine. I tapped out on most on most like if it's again if it was like I would I would hook up with the same person and it be non monogamous for years on end, so long as they could be cool about it. And I'll talk more about that. But uh, the second it was like anything, like I'm your girlfriend, around month nine, I start seeing stuff that I just don't want to see. Right. You, like your brain just focuses on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Like I just you can't unsee it. They're shorts or it, it doesn't have to be a big deal thing. Oh, I got grossed out one time by a girl I was dating because of her ankles. Yeah, uh, and she didn't even have cankles. She just had normal ankles. But like, I I noticed that like they were a little bit, not, not so great. And I like my I couldn't unsee it, and my brain just became obsessed with it, and I had to break up with her. And defining <laughs> not so great ankle, it was just a proportion of like her ankles, or it wasn't even her ankles. It was more her calves. Her calves were like a little bit fatter than they should have been. Okay. But okay. she wasn't fat. She was really thin. Um, so it was just the calves. <laughs> but I mean, so this is where I think my, yeah, just the calves. But I feel like my brain was playing a trick on me because this is when I was, I had just turned 30 and she was like everything I, I, I wanted in a, in a life partner. She was like, do I know her? I don't think you ever met her. Okay. Um, I'm sure she doesn't listen to this podcast because she, yeah. she blocked me a long time ago. She's an amazing girl. Uh, Lena, you ever remember? No. Okay. Yeah. So um i was living in new york city at the time she was a pharmacist um jewish comes from a you know nice. like yeah everything was Everything's good better j date right we were both 30 years old and then like everything was good until like month nine and and then i got this like overwhelming urge that like i just couldn't be in that relationship anymore and the cabs were a problem yep um so i went to see a therapist about it and i explained 
like these thoughts I was having. I'm like, I had never been to a therapist before. And he was like asking me questions like, you know, what did you do as a kid? Were, were we into sports? And I'm like, yeah, I was like, you know, really into hockey and then golf and then poker. And I get like obsessive about things. And then I like move on. And now I'm a dating coach. And now like, and he's like, well, you're just playing a new sport. And that sport is picking up chicks. And mm -hmm. you're not ready to retire. So this whole focusing on her calves is just like your unconscious brain telling you to like get out for whatever reason because you don't like the setup of this relationship. And I'm like, yeah, that's why they pay them the big bucks. It's funny how that kind of stuff will sneak up on you yeah. in that way, because it was always some sort of fucking arbitrary thing. And then you talked about like how I I don't remember if it was like how I felt about dating or some shit, yeah. but like some bullshit question when I, some chat yeah, some bullshit that you're trying to give me anyways. But when I look back on the effect that I had, like my impact at the time, I felt entirely justified by with everything that I did. Cause you know me, I, I have like this ethical code. I always stick to my word is so important to me. So I thought I'm telling everyone the rules of the game. I'm never lying. Um, but when I look back on my impact, I feel bad now. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I want to first touch on that integrity that you talk about, because that I think is like such a powerful way to live. Like if there's one motto you can choose in life, it's like my word is my everything. bond or whatever. <laughs> my, my word is my word, word is my bond. <laughs> but, you know, I, I learned that from uh, I think it was Landmark. Um, yeah. You know, and did you ever do a landmark? I got too hungover and they didn't reimburse me. Um, <laughs> but I know about it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, some people call it a cult, but I think it's a, a healthy version of a cult. At least it's just kind of how they enroll yeah. new members by having people refer. But, but anyways, the, what I learned in landmark was like, all you have is your word in life. Mm -hmm. And if you can't trust your own word, then you're just not knowing yourself as someone who follows through on things, someone who's powerful and can create something. And their whole idea is like, you know, when you say, I, I am going to do this thing, you're actually going to fucking do it and mean it. Exactly. That, that's it's incredibly empowering. It, it's yeah. It isn't just telling people the truth, which I will always do. Um, it's if I say I'm going to be there at two o'clock, I'm there at fucking two o'clock PM. She was here at two o'clock today and we were, uh, Actually, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I had I, I have an alibi. I was on another call, but but Maria's I, phone. I didn't up. even try to get in touch. I was on the phone having a good time, but she was waiting in the lobby. Uh, yeah, it did yeah. kind of seem like an underhanded because I chose to. <laughs> no, so uh, we we felt bad. We were running down to get you, but but the other part of that, it's like when it comes to dating, because I I was a schmuck from like the eight when I started, you know, whatever. 18 when I started, you know, mm -hmm. becoming sexually active until I was about 30. Um, I was a liar. I was a cheater. I didn't give a shit about like those ramifications. You know, I'm, I'm, I was all the, the bad things you don't want to date. And actually it was a little before that. I think 28 when I, when I cleaned up my act and I took, I took on this new way of being of like, let's just be brutally honest and let's, let's be honest. Let's date with honesty and integrity. Um, and I can happily say in that relationship that I mentioned before with the pharmacist, you know, I, I told her literally, I'm like, hey, I went to see a therapist. This is what he said. And she's like, yeah, you're just a player with a nice smile. Have a good life. And, you know, she didn't speak to me since. Um, Trying to respect her. Yeah. Yeah. That she's she's like, there's literally nothing wrong with her. She was like everything I had ever wanted. It's just I wasn't ready for that relationship. Yeah. Um, I'm sure she found someone who was. Yeah. I'm, and I hope she did. It worked out for everybody. 
totally. And, you know, there was a lot of pressure, though, because I was in this sort of damned if I do, damned if I don't headspace where like, well, I might not find another like perfect white <laughs> material, right? Because like, you know, my family is monogamous and everyone's been together forever. There's like all this pressure that I've always felt to like not choose the wrong partner, not be the for first like divorcee. That's really interesting. I had never considered that. Really? Yeah. That like your parents' marriage to me is kind of the epitome of a success. Yeah. And I've always just looked at them and been like, okay, I have an example for how this shit should go. Totally. And um, it was the same with their parents, both sets of my grandparents. Oh, wow. And their their sisters and, and uh, well, they only have sisters. But so my all my sets of aunts and uncles, never a divorce. All really solid, like healthy relationships. This is a fucking miracle. I know. You guys are like <laughs> shattering the statistics. Completely, right? Um, on my end of things, I I didn't have that really, like anywhere I looked. And so I had to be really intentional about how I handled my marriage and then let's throw in the complication of let's fuck other people too so you really have to have like a rock solid love for each other respect communication or I don't know good luck well it's definitely and and I'm excited to talk about this like the the challenges of having an open relationship versus a monogamous relationship yeah um, you know I've had I'm in a monogamous relationship now with my wife and I found after 10 plus years of open relationships that that was more like my default way of being. I also agree with you that humans are, we're monogamous for small periods of time, but we're mostly uh, non-monogamous, promiscuous, I guess, or whatever the other word for it is. Yeah. Dr. David Buss talks about this a lot in his book, uh, Evolution of Desire. And it's that, you know, humans, we're, we're monkeys, right? And, and yes. we act like monkeys. We're, we're monogamous for short periods of time when we reproduce and raise children or some period of time in there, but people are cheating left and right all the time. There's also um, the difference in biology between men and women. And I, ha I have something interesting that I'd love to ask your opinion on, but like, okay, in theory, just from like a, an evolutionary biological place, men are supposed to just fuck everything and spread their seed as much as humanly possible and procreate as much as possible. That's their, I think... That's like what, what the DNA wants us to do. That's, that's mm -hmm. the, yes, that's yeah. what the DNA is wanting you to do. Mm -hmm. And women are trying to find like the most secure provider because they don't get to, like, they have to get pregnant once and it better fucking work. Right. And why, and what's interesting to me, I've considered that so much in like, why am I so not that? Um, well, you only need to do that for a period of time until the baby is safe. 18 years of none of that, I get to be a hoe again. Like that doesn't make <laughs> no, any I mean, sense for the baby to be safe. It may be like two years. Right? Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. You know, it's, 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 uh, or just for the baby to be born and then having, you know, then you can, I mean, if you just look at what most, a lot, not most, but like, I guess most 60%, you know, there's the huge, you know, group of angry dudes on the internet, red pill guys that say all oh, women are, uh, hypergamous and they're just trying to like, you know, find a provider to, you know, to use and have, have a kid with them and then end up fucking the pool boy. Right. There's that huge group of internet trolls that red pillars, if you've heard of them, yeah. um, who, who are kind of indoctrinated with that, with 
that sort of mindset. Um, so yeah, there's certainly, I mean, if you just look at what a lot of people are doing, the, the standard narrative again, it's like guys are just trying to get laid. Women are just trying to like, you know, fuck the guy who can give them the best baby. And then when they get <laughs> bored of him, ditch that guy and find a richer guy. Right. That would be like the, the horrible view of, of the whole situation. I feel like, well, well, meanwhile, my plan, I didn't want anyone's fucking money. My choice in who I married um, was not related to money. Um, and I didn't let people pay on dates. If you're new to the show, I highly recommend you download my free dating protocol. It'll help you optimize your first dates, take all the guesswork and planning out of the equation. And I like to connect with my listeners personally. So to grab a copy, send me a message on Instagram, Robbie underscore Kramer. My whole plan was I'm going to become a multimillionaire making movies and then I'll just have different pool boys I fuck <laughs> and everything will be beautiful. Um, so that's interesting. So you had that sort of plan as like a young As like young a 20, fucking 15 year old. I was like, amazing. these are my dreams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which and, you, you know, you got an amazing job as a producer at, at Marvel. Can I say that? Yeah. Yeah. You um, can say, you can you say that. You produced like how many <laughs> box office hits now? Um, I, I'm credited on, I don't even know, 20 plus, um, but I like on the ground produced three. I did um, What If, an animated series on Disney Plus. And then I did Black Widow, which is a feature. And then Thor Love and Thunder, which is a feature. Thor, I love it. Oh, but here's what I wanted your opinion on. Mm -hmm. So I've always been like, why am I like this? <laughs> and um, then I found out through like a series of testing my hormones and all of that, that I have PCOS and I have high androgens. So like high testosterone hmm. for women. I What's mean. PCOS? What does that stand for? Um, polycystic ovary syndrome. It's actually fairly common, I guess. Okay. Um, so you have high, high testosterone basically. Yes. Okay. So I'm now wondering if there's some sort of correlation. That's what I wanted your opinion on what you thought. But Well, yeah. I mean, if, if you just look at you know, feminine versus masculine energy, right? And yeah, there's certainly a lot more testosterone. You could say that's what kind of, I don't know, bifurcates the the genders, right? Is the, a lack of testosterone and versus estrogen. I'm sure there's a million other things on the fucking doctor, of course, but yeah, but yeah I don't know even like why the, I'm asking what your opinion. Well, no, <laughs> your medical opinion on this. <laughs> well, the higher what here's what I know. And I've coached, you know, well over a 1000 clients for, you know, since 2007. Um, I've always had a really high sex drive and every time I've gotten my T checked, I've been, you know, well above the the standard range. Uh, luckily I've never mm -hmm. had to go on testosterone replacement, but I know tons of clients who have, um, and they're all telling me that I should anyways, even though my T levels are, are good. Um, why would you like fucking, you want yeah. more torque? Like, I think you're good. No. Well, there's all sorts of arguments that it makes you focus. And oh, gotcha. so like, but I heard recently from, um, what's that doctor's podcast? He's the Huberman. Huberman, exactly. Yeah. So he's saying like testosterone, um, or maybe it wasn't testosterone, but, uh, there's that one sort of, there's that thing that gets, maybe it's testosterone or it's, um, it makes you want to do hard work. It makes good, it makes hard oh. work feel good. So when you have more testosterone anyways, you, you want to, you want to produce that. Like, is it dopamine? Hormone. Uh, no, it's not dopamine. It's not a, that's not a hormone, but I'm just like, 
Maybe it is testosterone. Well, we'll put it in the show notes. Whatever that thing is, <laughs> it makes you makes hard work. You'll good. see it there. Yeah, so <laughs> when, you, when you have more T, right? You, yeah. you want to fuck, you want to work, you want to like do hard work. And when you have low T, you want to like Netflix and do nothing and eat junk food. And like, it, so for a guy with low T, and I see it a lot with clients and I tell them to like get on T because like, they're just like, yeah, I don't care. Blah, 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 and I want to care. Yeah. And then I have them check their levels. Yeah. And they're like, okay, I, you know, I need to, and you can develop tea naturally by, you know, there's, there's some supplements you can take. And obviously working out is the best way to, to do it, lifting heavy weights. Um, but, you know, so as a woman with high tea, it would make sense that you want to operate more as a man. I was fuck. like, <laughs> ambition, win, uh-huh. fuck, I'm horny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had like zits that Julie had to, your sister had to help me get rid of with the use of spironolactone. And also getting my androgens down with spironolactone made me like, I used to be like, if I don't have sex right now, I'm going to die, yeah, you know? And most uh, young guys feel now I'm just like, <laughs> good. So, uh, but you, as you a woman, same. So now you feel differently. Oh yeah. But I mean, as a woman, all you, it's like sort of Tinder is like a little catalog magazine. You just like that one. And then it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. kind of, so, and you, were you dating much before Tinder? I always like chronically found myself having boyfriends, which is odd because I hated having boyfriends. <laughs> well, every time, I mean, here's the thing when, and we talked about this before and I always experienced it. It's like whenever you're wanting to be non-monogamous, typically the people who you hook up with, they want to lock you down. And the more that they want to lock you down, the less you want to lock yourself down. The more I get the ick. The more you get the ick and the more that they want you. And so it just creates this sort of, you know, attachment theory. They call it anxious versus insecure attachment or avoidant versus, you know, anxious attachment. Um, And as a woman, right, like you felt that hardcore, like basically most. So like I want to ask of those, how many like dates do you think you went on during that period of time? Like slept with the guy the first day. It doesn't have to be the number, but like the the percentage of guys that wanted to then be in a relationship with you. What what was that percentage? One hundred percent. And I'm not. This is just the data. I don't know. That makes me feel really like not modest. Well, but why, wouldn't, why would why I? Wouldn't they? I'm here to speak the truth. Yeah. Um. I always felt as if my friends had like varying theories as to why this was the case. Like my hormone, my. Uh, my pheromones were weird or I don't know, but ultimately I think it boils, it boils down to the psychology of it. My indifference drove them crazy. Yeah. Well, we all want what we can't have. And I found myself over the years, like many people getting in fights and like my house was vandalized. My car was vandalized. By and jealous dudes. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And you were totally upfront, honest with them. Whole time. Yeah. And just like this here, is, this here is are it. the rules of the game. You want to play? So when would you present <laughs> that information on a first date? Like how did the how did the dates usually go? Where like would you talk about that on Tinder before meeting up? I think it would be just in conversation on the first date. I'm really the kind of person who I don't like small talk very much. Um and I like to ask a lot of questions and I'm very honest about things I think people would typically hide about themselves but I'm kind of like here it is yeah so it came up 
They're just naturally kind of come up in the course of the first 30 minutes or so. Yeah. I very rarely wanted a second date also. Mm. What, um, what was the difference? If, if it was a good sex, was it some connection? Was there anything that you can think of that like made the guy worthy of that? Ultimately, this is really dumb, but I need their hair to look a certain way. <laughs> I love it. I'm so sorry. I'm I'm not a superficial person, but it almost feels like it almost feels like a fetish at this point because it's such a prerequisite. It's so interesting. So so what what does the hair look like? It cannot be that. short. <laughs> it cannot. Uh, so no bold guys. Oh. I, that would, that would not really, I feel horrible, but that would be a no. Okay. I mean, unless he was like, you know, a super hot, like black guy, then maybe I could let it go. Hmm. Okay. But it, I just can't. I, yeah, I need so the hair, hair needs to be like the longer, the better. Like, no, Jesus I think I'm hair. in some weird repressed adolescent state where it needs to look like, you know, the guys from like Brink. Did you ever see that movie? Mm -mm. Just like shaggy skater hair or surfer hair. Okay. Um, can't hit the shoulder, like not to the shoulders. No man buns can be seen. Oh, got it. So it's got to <laughs> be like a full hair style of some sort, but no long hair, no bald. Yeah. But you'd fuck the bald guy or the other guy. I just wouldn't date him. Bald that. no. Bald no. I okay. feel really bad saying this because there may be some balds out there who are really worthy of all sorts of things. But for me specifically, I just, I, I also like, I dated guys who had severe acne. Like that didn't bother me. Interesting. Yeah. You know, like How about height requirements. No, know? no height requirements. No. I I I tend to find like everyone hot too. Yeah. That's the other thing. Same. Seeing the good yeah, like I just think everyone's hot. Yeah. Um, and then that would be an issue, you know, in the workplace. I'm until like until you get the ick. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're all hot until you fuck them and then they're like, Oh my god, what happened? Like, you know, done it. <laughs> yeah. You turn over the, and then you're like, wait, oh no. Regretful. But, um, I mean, I, even, even I can only think of maybe two girls ever that I slept with that I was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And I was really drunk at the time or, you know, in, out of, you know, out of many. So it's not like I was, you know, going, what do they call that? Going hogging or something or. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was thinking like, you know, how you can call a dick like a hog. Mm. Justin loves to call it his hog. Oh, right. Yeah. They also call motorcycles their hog. Um, you mean like the women are hogs? Mm -hmm. Ew. Yeah. Like the records that. show that I do not approve of that language. Yeah, that's uh I didn't say it. Who said it? I don't I think it was the dog. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't us. <laughs> so you're going on the, you know, the first date, you bang. They want to bang again. And so what percentage of guys would you sleep with more than once? Um, like if you had the right hair and the sex was good. Yeah. Was, you know, realistically, wasn't going to get clingy. Realistically, like I have such a specific type. Like they look like they came out of the factory mm -hmm. and I was always willing to stray off type in case the personality was like, so charming or funny like funny is for me like enough yeah but typically uh, that never came to pass i would get there and be like this is fine 
Yeah. Um, as a person, I really like them. I love getting to know them. This is really fun. But just like for my own sexual needs, no. How but also often? a 10%, I don't know, 10%. Okay. How often would you find the guy to be like timid or shy, not enough confidence to just like take you home? Did, you know, cause I teach my clients a, a dating protocol. I teach them how to, where to go on the first date, what to do on the second date. Then the third date is all about having like a couple's experience. So you feel like you're already a couple and then she feels more comfortable like having sex because you're not just random. And then the fourth uh -huh. venue is your place or her place. Um, but what it sounds like you were doing is more just like venue one, meet at the bar, back to your place or back to his place and sex or what, how'd they typically go? Is there any like pattern? You know, I think that I have a way of kind of disarming people a little bit, mm -hmm. um, because I'm not judgmental and I also am an oversharer. Um, and so I would say that by the time the conversation was over, it was pretty clear what was happening. Like, I don't think, I don't think they really needed to get too assertive about it. It was just. Interesting. So it was, yeah. it was just kind of spoken in a innuendo. There were, yeah. There were guys who were, I guess, were nervous at the beginning, but it quickly like became normal. Okay. Um, well, who was making the physical moves? Probably me, to be honest. <laughs> Interesting. So you were doing the physical escalation and the. I was doing it all. Doing it all. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Taking on that masculine role. Did you find, though, that you were more attracted to, like, really masculine versus more feminine type of guys? Because, I mean, if you just do the, the logical conclusion, it's like the more masculine energy you're running, the more you're going to want, like, a feminine sort of man. You see that a lot with, like, I, lesbians. Yes. So I kept finding myself in relationships with more effeminate men, but it, it, I didn't like it. It didn't sustain. Mm. And... I always got myself at the, to this point where I was devastated to lose the friendship because I just love people so much, but that I wasn't, it wasn't making, I just wasn't into it anymore. Um, and then ultimately people ask a lot, like, why Justin? Like what, even though like he's a lovely person, it's pretty evident when you meet him, but like specifically to me, because yeah. there was plenty of lovely, wonderful people that I met. Um, and he's, in my opinion, so masculine that I can be feminine and also so masculine that he doesn't, he's not showy. He doesn't need to even demonstrate it. Uh, he's actually like quite passive and chill. Yeah. If someone was like hitting on me or making me feel weird, I don't think he'd be like, Hey, let's fight. You know, right. he'd just be like, I, I, I don't need to deal with that. I don't need to bother with this because I know she's coming home with me anyways. Some guy actually on our flight from Florida uh, last week told Justin, can I have her? <laughs> and he was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, no. Sure, bro. Sure. Uh, Justin's the best because he's, he's very chill. Yeah. He's, you know, he, you can tell that if he needs to be assertive and confrontational, he will be. He, yeah, uh, he, exactly. It's like, why would I bother if, if I don't need to? But I don't think it's um, a coincidence that where I landed was somebody who was like very sturdy in their masculinity. Yeah. No, I think so too. Because I mean, at the end of the day, like you might have a lot of masculine energy when it comes to sex and th those sorts of things. But like you're a very feminine, like, you know, 
girl and like yeah. you're not you know no one would be like Simona's masculine the, the only thing about the masculine energy is maybe just like some of the sex stuff yeah right so yeah exactly yeah so what was and it the humor mm-hmm. the like wiener wiener humor big jokes and poop and fart jokes <laughs> poop and farts it's yeah you can get me talking about it for any Nothing amount of time better than a good fart joke it i honestly would watch terrence and philip do you know what that no. is it's the show they're obsessed with in south park um, oh like the poop spearing all oh, they do is just park. fart in the show <laughs> <laughs> I think I've watched the Cartman poop smearing episode like more than any other episode. And yeah. I don't really even watch South Park. So it's my favorite show of all time. So there you go. Yeah. You can see what my humor is. So what made you want to like get off the first date, fuck casual only and like, you know, eventually get married and not, it's not like you're, you know, you, you were open then you're still open now, but we're actually not open now. Oh, you're not. Okay. You no. were for a long time and then... Yeah. So once Justin quit drinking alcohol two years ago, we were like, we don't need to add any more like potential chaos to this mm-hmm. um, because we were still getting our sea legs. Even when we did have an open marriage, it was like during COVID, we were both drinking very heavily. And while our communication was great and we didn't, we didn't run into any issues like on a jealousy front, we, we still didn't feel like we quite got to where we wanted it to be. And so when he, in the context of him quitting drinking, we were like, we don't need a second thing to navigate. Right. And what was your question? Well, so <laughs> did you always like, did you always want to get married? Like what were your, cause you told me when you were like 15, you had this sort of life plan to be, you know, the boss, like make a bunch of money, have all these guys. And like, that didn't sound to me like there was a, a marriage component to it and so did was that am I wrong or did that change yeah it changed my whole life I was extremely anti-marriage and anti like having children even though I love children I met Justin um you know the story I accidentally messaged him on Facebook thinking he was somebody else we talked for two days just on Facebook and then uh, we met in person and it was like immediately day one. I told him, I don't believe in monogamy. That's not my long-term plan, but I was monogamous with him from the day I met him just by choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but he knew like, he knew that in terms of my life plan, there was no universe that I would be monogamous long-term. And I told him, don't think you're going to be the person to change me. Cause you know how they always kind of think they will be the one. Yeah, totally. Like every person thinks that. All, all of them. I mean, that's, that's a, the plot of almost every romance novel. It's like woman sees man who's attractive and he's like everything she wants, except he's like this fuck boy or he's, he's mentally broken and she's going to yeah. fix him and become like the knight in shining armor. Perfect guy. I like, What's that movie? Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey and yes, that fucking story, right? Yes, That's every romance novel. So, and then of course, men. I mean, I know for sure, like my ego. If I ever ran into a girl like you, I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna her. change. She's gonna want to be monogamous with me. But so yeah. what I was running into was like two years later, thinking I'm having a great time with my really good friend who I hook up with. You know that that's when you get your car vandalized. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the fountain, my parents like big fountain out front of their house. Uh, somebody pushed it over 
It was wow. like into the car. No, these are separate events. Oh, this is what I'm telling you. Like <laughs> things. My so this is are, when they realized that you were now in a relationship and and they were pissed because like you didn't want it with them. No, they just were over it. Like they would always be like, I know that you're in love with me and I know you want this. And I would be like, oh, yeah, well, then why am I not just having it <laughs> right. then? Like they were always the audacity to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I would I and but they all would say eventually I just believed at some point you would believe in this and train change your mind right that never happened so I gave Justin the same shtick about marriage too okay which was I'm never getting married please don't think you're the one that's going to change my mind (laughs) (laughs) well someone pulled it off but yeah so what what transpired there how that how that switch I don't know how to describe it but it was just we're kindred spirits. His, I wrote down, um, uh, like, on the recommendation of my eyelash tech, um, every quality. Her pitch was, you think that you don't want partnership because you are thinking about it in the context of how society is structured now and what other people want. And you haven't considered how nice partnership could be if it were on your terms. Mm. So write out very specifically every single quality that you want in a person and ask the universe for it. And so I was like, okay. Um, I did the little exercise Mm -hmm. and I wrote like, I wrote Jewish, but not religious. Like (laughs) Justin's an Ashkenazi Jew. You would never know. Um, And you're not Jewish. No, but I wanted that. (laughs) You know, (laughs) why not? I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I wrote favorite show is South Park. Favorite movie is Step Brothers. Curly hair, blue eyes. What else did I write? That's- Makes amazing new brew cocktail. Oh, hell yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> the Let's perfect segue. No, so actually, so you and Justin and Justin's brothers, right, started yeah. this company. Well, they, they, the three brothers founded it. I didn't start it. Okay. You're the, uh, you know, the marketing chair or something now or you I'm just help unsung with, hero right? behind busy the making Hollywood blockbuster movies. So what can you do? <laughs> but, um, so this shit's awesome. So it's, I mean, you, you can tell, you know, everything about it. It's I'm just, camera. I'm drinking it now and I feel great and it's not, there's no alcohol. It's what's in it. All right. Here's my little pitch and I won't take up too much time, but I'm speaking about this because I'm actually passionate about it. And because it's, it actually works. It's the fucking best. I don't know what the rules are on uh, telling other people what the effects are, but here's here are the effects with me. It gives me energy and is the only thing that to date I've tried that gives me energy and doesn't give me anxiety. It's actually calming um, and it's really good with motivation. I work out now because of New Brew. Um, so it's transforming my health. And there's no alcohol, no cannabis. It's made from kava root and kratom leaf. So the, they're just these two plants. Um, and Earl Grey tea. Yeah, it's got like 30 milligrams of caffeine from the tea, mm-hmm. which is, I think, like a third or a fourth of a cup of coffee. Total sugar, three grams, calories, 15. All that shit in there is organic, except I don't think you can get organic kava and kratom but everything else or kratom i don't we don't know everything else is organic and it's really low sugar and 
It tastes good. Yeah. It makes you feel good. I feel like, you know, I'm, I just drank a bottle or a can and, um, you know, I just feel very chill. Like I've had, you know, a few glasses of wine, but, but not the same. It's hard to describe. So. Cause you could still drive a car, like you're not inebriated right. and, but it's, it's a great, um, alcohol replacement. Yeah. So where can people find new brew? Uh, drinknewbrew.com has a store locator and we're in like 300 or so stores in Los Angeles. And then I think a couple hundred across America and we also do GTC. So you can buy it online, um, anywhere. Well, there'll be a, there will be a link in the show notes to get it. Fuck yeah. And get that link. Cause I'm going to make her give me a kickback on it. So yeah. if you're buying the new brew, you're going to be buying me a new brew too. So <laughs> yeah, try it out. It's great. It's one of those things where it's like the hard part's getting someone to like getting the reach, you know, getting people to even try it in the first place. How do you reach that many people? Right. Um, but once people have it, they are obsessed with it. I wish people would say that about my podcast. You know, it's like you guys watch this, share it. Right? Yeah. Become obsessed with it and, and tell everybody about it. I mean, it's the problem with this podcast. It's like, you know, it's a little bit, there's that stigma if you tell someone else that you're like, you watch this uh, inner confidence dating podcast and the, but tell your buddies, go out and, you know, I want you to know that I talk about you. Obviously you're very close to me and I talk about you all the time to, and every man that I've ever talked to about you has been so jealous and so curious about who you are. (laughs) Um, Including my dad. My dad's your biggest fan. Oh, I love your dad. He's the best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm his biggest fan. So yeah, both you ways. guys are like weird with each other. Has he tried to kiss you on the lips yet? No. Okay. I mean, we've only hung out once. I that think wouldn't your stop wedding. him. Um, or your he, yeah, that's it. He he's Italian, and when I was around like 25 or 26, he tried to like reinstate his old family tradition of kissing on the lips, and we were like, this is this. We're too old. Like the ship has sailed. You're not going to start kissing us in our 20s. I like that the Italian, you know, the Italian guy is trying to bring that back because it's a you you always need the one. Yeah. You know, touchy feely Italian guy. Look, it's uncreepy. Obviously, it's my dad. But I mean, so now um, as punishment for, <laughs> for saying no, he kisses Justin and Justin's brothers and my sister's husband, Matt Ranger on the lips in front of us all the time. Really? Well, yeah, I, I'm totally fine if he wants to do that. I, I think it'd be fun. Um, so I'll let him know. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, I always remembered that he was, he was always asking about, you know, the trips I used to do and, and yeah. all that stuff. He wanted to come on. That's what he wants to know. The Playboy photo shoots. So not really doing those too much these days, but, uh, <laughs> 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 can still hook them up with the people that do. No, I'm just kidding. Um, getting back to what we we're talking about, um, when it comes like so, so Justin, Justin made made you switch, um, wanting marriage, right? There's just something. Yes, he, he checked all the boxes, literally, um, and yeah, and, and tell us what like so. It was it was monogamous and then you guys opened it up and well, the way that we did it, in my opinion, was a very healthy way where 
I was monogamous with him for four years and we got married first. And when I say he put in the emotional fucking work of convincing my traumatized ass to get married, like especially leading up to our wedding and stuff, I like I'm talking multiple nights in a row, 5 a.m., me freaking out him like we know each other so well so well um and we also don't think our meeting was a coincidence we feel like oh like we are souls that have been kind of like going through the same cycles for a while Mm -hmm. um so it was definitely like if i say traumatized it was just do you mean that kind of tongue in cheek in the because ma- you didn't never want to get married? No, was- I mean it quite literally. I just had never seen any marriages where the people seemed happy to me. And that was everywhere I looked okay. other than your parents. Yeah. Though I'm not a child of divorce, we've come close mm-hmm. in a number of times. I didn't believe that it could work. I thought it was like completely um, unnatural. Yeah. I feel like marriage is a vestige of an older time where there was like a fucking dowry involved and the women were property and like... Well, the whole point of it was to literally get the state involved. So, you know, there... I mean, there's many reasons for it, but one of them was to like avoid... um, to, To test paternity was part of it too, I think. Like, you know... If that that was a big problem back in the day is, what, is it my kid, right? You know, the, the Maury Povich show, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Who's my daddy? Uh, <laughs> like that's, that's like what so many men, um, you know, the whole idea of be, getting cucked and raising someone else's child, right? Like there's mm-hmm. that, that's like the worst thing that could ever happen to a lot of guys. And you know, so the marriage was a construct to keep women from cheating. It was to form alliances like they, you know, the, you know, king, king, whoever of Spain, who was it? like Ferdinand of Spain, you know, married the, oh, uh, mm-hmm. she married the, the king of England. And then there was that, that coalition yeah. against France. And there so was like some sort of political utility or yeah. some sort of an interfamilial benefit. And most yeah. were like, even though some were obviously arranged, like Indian marriages, but even non-Indian marriages were mostly arranged too. It was like your family mm-hmm. pushing you to marry. Uh, even here in the U.S., like my my mom would always be like, "Oh, it'd be so cool if like you started dating this X Y Z family friend, yeah. this one, right?" And yeah. then we and then we'd be makatunum. Uh, I think is the Jewish word for in-laws. Um, so so yeah, and and now like the idea of having the state involved is totally ridiculous. And, I, and I hate it. I mean, I, I would have never agreed to marriage um, just because I don't believe in the institution. But, you know, when it comes to Maria and I, like that was the only way to get her into the state. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, she without the, the K-1 fiance visa, right? She wouldn't be able to come. She wouldn't be able to stay. Um, and I'm not talking about monogamy. I'm just talking about like marriage. Like what's the fucking point? Mm-hmm. You know, other than, and I'd be totally fine having like a, what is it? A civil union, civil union, yeah. whatever. It's like everyone thinks we're married, but we're just not registered as it's, a state. Wait, I think civil union is still registered or some shit, or I don't know. 
I, but whatever to not have the state be involved. So then if you go through a divorce, you got to do all that stuff and the taxes and then this and that. Yeah. yeah. So my thinking was, okay, life is crazy. Maybe, maybe life will throw me someone that I just can't live without. And I would like to wake up every day and say yes to them, not make a legal document bind me to some shit because you ultimately can't control the behavior of other people. You can only control your reaction to that. And I was worried that I like, and my word is my bond. <laughs> so I thought I'm going to vow to be with someone no matter what um, for the rest of my life. That really scared me. I mean, I always told Justin, you could get in a horrific car accident and lose your penis and I would still happily be married to you. Um, but any sort of abusive shit, any sort of, that's where I draw the line and I'm not calling him abusive. We're still together. But the point is, is like, I put a little asterisk on my vow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> did the penis part go in there too? Uh, yeah. Nice. Like <laughs> <laughs> you may lose your penis. I will allow it. Okay. But anyway, so all of that shit really freaked me out. And, um, we had to have a lot of conversations about it, but ultimately I never had any questions surrounding, is this the right person? Got it. It was just whether or not to actually get married. Uh, yeah. I mean, and at the point that we got engaged, he knew I would say yes. Like I sent him a potato that said pre-clearance granted. <laughs> Well, I don't get it. I know. The backstory is that um, I was anonymously sending him potatoes in the mail for like a year with threatening messages on them. Like inside the potato or you written? No, like them? written in Sharpie. And it was just like an eye for an eye, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in unmarked packages. Um, Sounds like it could get expensive after a while. Potatoes, it, what? potatoes aren't that light, you know. It was expensive. Yeah. Um. And I and I did it for a year, and I and I didn't tell him it was me. And I was like, who who is it? We gotta get these people. These we gotta get these motherfuckers. <laughs> That's a serious commitment. It's hard to pull up a prank for that long. I just kind of it was for my own amusement. But then I found out <laughs> I found out that he actually knew it was me the whole time, and he was for his own amusement engaging in the conversations. Um, and anyways, so down the line with a lot of effort on his end, uh, I sent him a pre-clearance potato. So he knew he was safe to propose to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then at what point did you guys open it up and then close it back down or what happened with that? So we got married in September of 2019 and then... We opened things up, I think, in February 2020. Uh -huh. And then COVID hit. And we were stuck in our apartment. And it's really hard to navigate, like, an open marriage, hooking up with strangers while there's a global pandemic. And so, and being the way I am, I'm like, okay, we got to be ethical about this. Here are the testing days. Let's stagger things. Like, oh, uh, so. I'd add so much extra work. Yeah. I was in Ukraine at the time and, and very much single and loving life. Like for me, COVID was the greatest thing that ever happened. All the clubs were closed. Oh I was in the coolest, you know, huge apartment that I threw parties at every weekend. Yeah. It was like, and, and plus in Ukraine, no one even really believed in COVID very much. They were like, oh, it's bullshit. Uh, and 
I was just like, you know, having the time of my life as a single guy with, with no barriers, no, no clubs to compete with. Like I said, every girl wanted to party and they're just, I was the only game in town. So, Oh my God, you were living the life. Restaurants were open. You could just call and like, I mean, they were, they were closed, but you had to use the back door and they would just let you in. The, the lights were all closed in the front. So it's like, it was the best place to be because, you know, it, it's semi-corrupt, of course. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, you could get away with yeah, everything. That's no fun. one gave a shit. Semi-corrupt is fun. Semi-corrupt is great. You know? Yeah. So I was in Sydney for a lot of it, uh, shooting Thor, Love and Thunder. I was in Sydney for nine months. So I escaped a lot of the quarantine. I had to quarantine in a hotel room for two weeks. But then after that, it was basically normal. Mm-hmm. And then we flew home like a month before it got really fucking bad there. Mm. So I got really lucky, too. Yeah. And so was it challenging um, opening up the marriage? Like, was was he against it? Because, you know, because you had you had told him what to expect. Here, I would say was the biggest challenge is that for women, it's kind of different where you like there's safety involved. First of all, I was really paranoid about the about COVID. So I wanted somebody that I could trust. And also once you like verify someone's like hot, cool and not trying to kill you, you kind of just need to stick with that. You don't want to keep playing with fire. Right. Um, so and you're so, looking for other partners, but not short term one, one and done partners. I was looking for a long term, non-serious one person and just in peace. Yeah, like yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And and Justin was more looking for just variety and okay. keeping it just whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that would have preferred he picked one person because of right. the covid of it all and he would prefer I varied my profile because it felt too relationshipy at that point, but the circumstances kind of that's just where it went. It dictated that, yeah. Yeah, so it's so interesting to talking about the the polarity and the the dynamics of that right because as a guy if you're in an open relationship um it's like do you want your girl to fuck a bunch of dudes or one dude right and it's like there's way more security in the fact that she's just having lots of random sex with random guys but there's also you know the ego potential of like oh if she's having all that variety maybe she's gonna you know level up and find someone better because she's so exposed to it but then the jealousy piece when she's with someone else and that that's like, you're like, well, maybe she loves that guy more. Maybe that relationship is, is like the new energy and it's stronger. And, and that's definitely a thing too. Like new relationship energy is really fucking strong, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you're, it's that infatuation. It's all those, you know, chemicals mixing in your body and that can be intense and that can be really tough for, you know, people to navigate an open relationship. Yeah. Right. I would say that, our relationship at that point was so well earned. I think he probably felt really secure um, in the sense that if you just look at the history, look at the historical data, it's <laughs> unlikely I'm going to find someone that I'd like to settle down. And also we just at that point had known each other so well. We had the foundation of four years of monogamy under our belt and there were boundaries communicated that were respected. Like I think in that sense, it was all it was all good. We never really ran into jealousy around specific people or the or 
hooking up itself. It was more that like it's complicated emotional navigation around like my paranoia with COVID and us wanting to do things a different way. Mm. Um, Got it. And like for him, he's a guy. I hadn't realized how different it was for men and women on the apps. Mm -hmm. Like. Tell us your experience on the apps. As a woman, it's kind of like your job is to not get murdered and find someone normal and hot enough. Um, But it's fairly straightforward in terms of once you choose, you can just go on a date with them. Whereas for men, volume is everything. So you're selecting women are the selectors, of course. So you're, you're, you know, if you're, if he's hot, hot enough, right. You're swiping and then you're gauging via messages if he's normal. Exactly. And once he seems, once you like kind of get a a sense for them, then you can go on a date. It's kind of straightforward in that way. How much are you using, you know, social media, Instagram to vet people? Oh, I'm using it. So if a guy, if a guy doesn't have Instagram. If they don't have Instagram, it's, it's much harder to decide to go on the date because the Instagram can show you like, does he have friends? Do women hang out around him? Um, there's so much you can learn. Whereas guys tend to on their Instagrams or I mean, on their like dating profiles, they're like holding a fish. And I'm like, okay, great. You like to kill fish. (laughs) And that's all I know about you. Like. Not, not a good profile photo. Stop with the fish guys. No one's impressed. Girls. I don't think many girls are really into fishing. Even if you catch like a Marlin, which is terrible because I, they're so beautiful. Like I I hate fish. I've I've never been fishing because I don't want to kill a fish. And right? Yeah. I like to eat fish, so call me a hypocrite or whatever, but like I don't want to kill it. I don't want to do that. It's weird that it's like here is my trophy. Right. My killing, but I won't kill you. <laughs> Trust yeah. me. Trust me there. <laughs> um any sort of trophy hunting, I'm fucking out cuz I can at least understand you're going to eat something, but what? So you can feel cool in your living room like dumb. So take down the uh, the giant, you know, moose ear or moose uh, <laughs> antlers. Don't yeah. don't have that shit out. Show your face. Don't ha- hide behind sunglasses or give me some weird resolution photo. Um, yeah. So and then obviously the the man's perspective is, I mean, I can I can pull up this. Uh, this graphic right here. This is a Tinder journey for this gentleman. So this is a guy who's 30 years old, male, 30, I uh, already said that. Uh, he's been on Tinder for three years and 246 days. And this is a guy who was, he was in my group, a uh, relatively attractive guy, probably a six out of 10, um, five, five foot 10, uh, you know, 178 centimeters. He swiped 95,176 times. He got, uh, 13,000 right swipes, only 171 matches. What's a match versus a right swipe? Uh, a right swipe is how many times he swiped right. Oh, I, oh, okay. Yeah. So he swiped left 82,000 times. He swiped right 13,000 times. So it's not like he's just swiping on everyone. Right. And he only got 171 matches out of 
you know, out of the 13,000 swipes. And then he had 123 chats and then one date, no sex. Good. (laughs) Online dating is tough. No. Yeah. What's your reaction to that? I'm sad. Because I'm sure he's a lovely person. I know that you have um, like a strenuous kind of like inventory you take in order to make sure somebody's like normal and a good person yeah. before you take on a client. And so they have to be able to afford it. It's not cheap. Yeah. You know, like it's like this is a, this is a dude who he's a solid guy. And you yeah. see those results. And like, you know how I feel about all of your clients. Mm-hmm. Every time I meet them, I'm. I love all of them so much. They're wonderful people. And you help out at the the immersions and the boot camps we do. And yeah. you're one of the, uh, you know, the female models we bring in to do the exercises on and to give feedback. And, you know, the guys all fall in love with you. And- <laughs> Those days are the best. <laughs> They're so fun. I, I I think that my my big issue is that I disarm too much. And then we end up just talking like we're friends and forgetting the exercise. <laughs> Remember, I that's, that's, my, a, that, that's like so who you are. It's like, no, even if we're trying to be like, you know, disconnected, it just doesn't work. Let's talk about your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> While we sit on the bed and yeah. lie on the bed. They always the, lie on the bed with me. Where it, they, well, you're lying on the bed. So there's like, well, what do I do? They could sit at the foot of the bed. You know what I'm saying? Well, so to give some context, we do the speed dating exercise where, you know, we've got Five girls, five guys. The girls are situated in different spots where I can film each one. And, you know, typically at a table or standing on the balcony or, you know, at two two chairs. But Simi decided to just go lie in the bed. And I so tired. the guys are doing like a, a mock approach and they're like, well, what do I do? Do I stand here? Do I sit on the bed? I'm just going to lie next to her. So it's always <laughs> like a bit of a psychological experiment because the other time we did it, I was sitting on the balcony outside on a couch and they, and there was like an ottoman so they could sit across from me or they could sit next to me. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, a way to gauge how comfortable they are with that proximity. What keeps happening is that they end up sitting on the thing and putting their arm around me right away. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you guys, uh, you know, I should definitely come to those. Those are, those are a lot of fun and you get to, you get feedback from, amazing women like Sydney. So thank you. Yeah, no, it's great to, you're, you're the best for those. So you got to keep helping out. I will. Um, it's fun. Yeah. I, I, I love it. We do it every, about well, once every three, three months. And we all get so close by the end. Mm-hmm. I am like looking at all of their Instagrams, cheering them on. Every time I see one of them, I'm like writing thirsty comments on their photos. <laughs> Because they are vetted and normal and nice guys who won't murder you. So, like, they deserve... I would like to showcase that women think that they're great. Yeah, and the whole reason for a lot of these boot camps that I do is to, like, teach them how to meet girls during the day and how to avoid the apps and how mm-hmm. to build a social circle and and get out of this, you know, endless swiping. But obviously, you know, as a beautiful girl, for you, it's like, you know, you've got more matches than you know what to do with. You open the thing up and it's just... And it's a totally different experience as the selector versus the the one hoping to be selected. Many women I talk to have this issue where they just get so overwhelmed, they delete the app. Right. I do think like um, an intro line that makes you stand out is important. Someone's just like, hey, what's up? Cowboy emoji. Kind of. It's just like, how do I how does that make you distinct from the 50 other ones that say that? 
Right. Um, and it can't be so I've had one where it was like, I would do like, I would fight with nunchucks to this, to that, just to get a shot with the doctor who was there the day you were born. It's like, who are you sending this? To? You're sending this to everybody. <laughs> For sure. Well, I've got a bunch <laughs> of, uh, I've got a bunch of scripts that I teach the guys. So they're not reinventing the wheel each time. And usually the women can't tell. And even if they can tell, then I have a line to deal with that as well. But yeah. that's the thing. You're it's good. like, you got to be normal. You, you have to, you have to be cool. You got to be normal. And she has to think you're not going to murder her. And then as you were yeah. saying, what was, what was the next piece of the, uh, or where were you going with that in terms of like meeting or we were talking about the, the relationship being open, um, and just how much, Oh, how much easier it was for you to meet people versus Justin? Because, you know, Justin's a good looking dude. He's confident. He's got swag. He's got Riz and no. it's just not as easy. Well, it's not that it's not as e like for him, he's like hot. So and the other thing that was kind of working in his favor is that he's married. Right. So he has the ultimate seal of approval from at least one woman. Um, but that also makes it complicated, you know, for you'd be surprised how many horny women there are out there. No, no. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. But the <laughs> but the you take away the option for the woman that there's a future, right? So now he's got a much smaller pool where he's selecting people for, you know, casual sex and, and that sort of thing, obviously, which is good because that's the whole point. It's not like he's, but you are eliminating a huge percentage of the population from the dating pool that you're going after. That's even because most guys are willing to just hook up, right? And then they're going to catch feelings later, but there's, you know, as Justin in that position, he has to kind of be forward about the fact that he is married, he's in an open relationship, and that severely, you know, limits the dating pool. So that makes it even more tough. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does eliminate some people. Um, but you would be surprised well, how many women are either in open relationships themselves or just looking for a good time. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So out of your friends, I guess if, if we're trying to gauge, I feel like there's a much higher number of women like you now than there were 10 years ago, right? There's a lot of women, especially in the U.S. and other, you know, Western cultures that are way more open and way more willing to try open relationships than, you know, I feel like that number is getting bigger and bigger every year. Mm -hmm. Um which as a guy who's interested in short-term, you know, dating, that's a great, that's great news. And almost every guy, in my opinion, they should be interested in that until they've done enough of that to where they're like, okay, I'm ready to settle down. I want, yeah. I want something long-term. Like, cause if you take a guy who isn't ready to settle down and then he settles down, now you've got a recipe for divorce. And that sucks. Shit. Yeah. Don't do that. It's, it's sure. only the guys that can't create that outcome that, you know, that, that they don't do it for the most part or religious people. But um, would would you agree with that sentiment? Like for the girls, you know, it's like much more mainstream and normal now to have some sort of open or situationship. Yeah, I actually I have a lot of friends who have grown into it. Um, and there are plenty of people who are just like, that's not for me. Um, and they know that that would will always be the case. But I definitely think that way, way more, like more and more people are, are interested. Um, I think, what was that one? Monogamish came out. 
monogamous? Is that you know, a show or a... I think so. It's um it's like a documentary style. Mm, cool. Um it's just become more mainstream. There's there are a couple books and and shit that came out that also people I just think that the consciousness is shifting a little bit. I think so too. So do you have any I don't know, practical wisdom or words of advice for both guys and girls who want to you know, dabble? Yeah. I mean, if you're just getting started, I would say go on field because there you can actually list, you can, you can filter based on sexual preferences. It'll do a lot of the work for you mm. where you can filter for people looking for the same thing. Gotcha. Oh, that's the other thing I would ask. Have you ever been into girls? No. I. It's like I keep trying and failing. <laughs> just. I, I, I've tried to force it and I just, because I've been like, okay, I'm really like, I have masculine energy. Maybe I need to like see this through. And the other thing too is like, I think everyone's hot. So I'm like, Oh, she's so hot. Mm -hmm. But I've never, um, I've never been able to be into it. Hmm. Never, no, never strapped it on and I'm not not into it. <laughs> yeah, it's just not for me. Yeah. I, and and don't get me wrong, I wish it was for me. Yeah. All the time. I wish that would be great. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that there there's like a convenience too. Cause I think, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but male and female brains and like emotions kind of behave differently sometimes and i think what a luxury it could be to just have that same level of empathy and understanding of one another's experience but no yeah. i'm sorry to say it well, I'm sure there's a lot of sad listeners on the uh, listeners and viewers on the other end, but uh, you know, mostly women. That is. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> what um, about you? Have you ever like considered it? No, I've never been like bi curious or interested in that. Um, and it's funny because I've I've been around. I was actually in like uh, one of my gurus, I guess you could say. Uh, this guy Carl Wolf, who who passed away. Did you ever hear about Crazy Carl Wolf? Mm -hmm. So he had this group uh, in Santa Monica where he would teach um, basically like embodiment work. Uh, oh, okay. So his the intro to his work is you meet him at the Santa Monica boardwalk. He videotapes you renting rollerblades, and then you rollerblade with him while he's videotaping the whole thing. Then you got in his car. <laughs> And then he gives you feedback on how you are in life based on the video. And he tells oh. you like things like, well, you, you know, you're rollerblading and you're staring at the ground the whole time. You never once look out to the horizon. You have no vision for your life or the way you were interacting with the clerk who gave, gave you the rollerblades. You were like dismissive of him. You were a little bit disrespectful. You didn't say this about me, but like you were a certain way. And I know this about you because his whole premise was how you do anything is how you do everything, oh. which I tend to agree with. Um, wow. in a lot of ways. So it was, and then he also ran this group that met every Wednesday, um, where based people would, we, we would do all these movement exercises, you know, and he'd have people like shaking their hands and he'd saying like, you're signaling to get away from me. You're saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. Like this, it, it was weird, but it was interesting. 
and you learned a lot about yourself and it was a safe space where people could be very honest and and extremely judgmental but forward about it so you'd get feedback that you would never hear it's like your your yeah, workshops I, I adopted <laughs> like, a lot of the practice yeah from him of course right where everyone feels so safe and you can say the meanest things ever but it's all with love exactly yeah all with love um and so Wait, why, why was I talking about that, though? What was I asked if you were gay. Oh, right. So he was gay, but and he would convert a lot of his students to become like his gay lovers. And he's oh. a 65 year old guy. Like in a Me Too way or just like fully fine? Um, fine. I mean, okay. he, he was converting like guys my age. <laughs> and it surprisingly happened with like many many straight guys did he proposition you he never propositioned me he, he never like he was flirty yeah right like i knew he wanted it but he was never weird I about knew it he wanted it and um you know and then he was always talking about how humans are naturally you know bisexual everyone's bisexual maybe that was some maybe he was pushing that as a way to indoctrinate <laughs> you know and groom his new young boy ass i um, don't disagree I just I, yeah. think it's hard to undo all of our conditioning at this point. But like, I, I think if there was no societal judgment and if it wasn't a weird thing, like, and if it was okay for men to be bi curious, then I wouldn't have any problems with it. I just don't find them attractive. This is where I'm at. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like any, any time I've dipped a toe in, I, it's been because like you're here and why not? Yeah. Never that same impulse. Funny story at a sex party, unbeknownst to me, um, it was actually my my birthday party. Probably told this story on your the podcast before. Hold on, back up. Your birthday party was a sex party. My thirty second birthday party was a sex party. I wasn't invited. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> it was a sex party. <laughs> it was was hosted in by Genevieve in Anaheim. Uh huh. Um and. Uh, it was like all of our swinger friends and mm -hmm. and there was a few unicorns there. Um, like I think it was probably eight to ten couples and like six or seven girls. And my ex-girlfriend, Jamie, did you ever meet Jamie? No. She brought this dude um, and he was bi. And so at one point, um, you know, Vive, another girl uh, and one other girl were giving me a birthday blowjob. And Thanks. So that, yeah. And then at some point, Jamie came over and she was like, oh, are you guys giving him a birthday blowjob? We want to give him a birthday blowjob, too. Can we give him a birthday blowjob? And she meant her and Brett. And I wasn't really paying attention. To, I, I don't I'm just like lying there. Uh, you know, I'm definitely, you know, high on life. And, you know, it's dark. And then all of a sudden. I see like, so I'm not even really hearing what's going on there. I'm just hearing this blowjob and I'm just having a good time. And then all of a sudden I see someone's head being thrown like across the, like, you know, thrown away. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? And, and <laughs> Beam turns to me and she's like, Brett, what's sucking your dick? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, for how long? She's like, only like half a second. I immediately went to I was wondering, what do you mean? Someone's head was thrown. <laughs> That makes a lot more right. sense. And um, and I was like, well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. It's, Who cares? No big deal, right? Like, Of course. It comes with the territory. When you have a sex party, you, you know. You never know. You know. But, yeah. <laughs> so.
So yeah, I don't want to keep track of that. That's too much work. It's right. our birthday blow job. Yeah. It's not your job. I was also propositioned at Burning Man. I was hooking up with, uh, so me and a girl were hooking up with another couple and he was by. So after we swapped partners, you know, he, he wanted to like, yeah. Yeah. He wanted to do something, but the Get way he, there. the way he propositioned it was like really courteous, really respectful, really cool. Like she was also kind of, you know, testing the waters there. Cause that's, that's, that's really a murky sort of dangerous topic, right? Because like you can get guys that are so homophobic that they're like, no, man, you know, they get physical yeah, or they yeah. get aggressive. Um, obviously, Burning Man's a pretty, you know, safe space to do those sorts of things yeah. too. But, um, you know, yeah, that's that's what he was sort of hoping for as an extra, you know, cherry on top to the previous experience or <laughs> maybe, I, cherry. maybe I was like the the subtle main dish that he was get, trying to get to. You never you know. know. Yeah, but... Yeah, I've just never had the, I've certainly had the opportunity and it would have been non-judgmental. I just never really wanted to. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure if it happened, it would just be like, okay, whatever. It felt how it felt, but I just, it's not like I, you know, there's no desire there. And so yes. sounds like you could relate. I, I definitely can relate, mm -hmm. except it's a little bit more of like a, I'm trying it out, but every single time I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> you uh, like I already tried this, and I remember it after was, yeah. time. Uh -huh. But the other thing too is, like, if you're a unicorn and you meet a couple, well, that's just it's just gonna happen. Yeah. Um, have you done much unicorning? Oh yeah, of course. Okay. So there, that's got to be maybe like a sensitive subject when the girl doesn't feel like you're really into her, or are you setting those ground rules in the beginning that is more just? I don't think they can tell. Okay. Oh, so you're, you're faking it with them and <laughs> I'm not faking it. Um, well not, you, you know, you're, you're still hooking up, I'm but you're just it my all right. it's an, I'm an equal opportunist. Okay. But they could probably feel the lack of, uh, enthusiasm. I don't maybe. think they can. It's no? more okay. just that, um, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. I just like, don't feel anything, but like I can still do the same stuff. Okay. So it's not like it's stopping you. It's just not. No. Got it. No, it's mm -hmm. definitely not stopping anything. Okay. Um, so yeah, any, any tips for either, you know, mainly guys are listening to this. So guys are watching. If you guys aren't watching, you should be watching because you can't see, you know, beautiful Simi's profile here. She's half in the darkness, half in the light. I know. I hate that this is making <laughs> me so like, fuck it. You can see my eye bags and all, all sorts of shit. But. Well, my studio is only set up for daytime recording because there's no lights in this apartment, which is. We odd. talked for too long. Yeah. I have known you for 24 years. Isn't that fucking crazy? That's, that's a long time. We're old. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's a good place to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, so this was great. Um, guys, get the new brew. Anything else you want to promote? If guys want to, you know follow you or anything like that or sure you want to follow me <laughs> it's not that exciting but uh at simona underscore was underscore here see you there all right guys so until next time uh you know like this do all those things subscribe tell your buddies buy some new brew send me a message and uh have a good one bye
I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're a regular listener and you're digging our content, do me a favor, leave us a five-star review. It's how other people learn about the show and how we can spread the word. If you don't feel like it's worthy of five stars, just go ahead, don't leave any review at all. And I want to let you know that we've opened up a few slots in our exclusive community. We're accepting applications to join our select group of men and experience the radical power of accountability, step up your game, cross everything off your sexual bucket list, and become a beast at accomplishing all of your goals. To learn more and apply, go to innerconfidence.com slash community.